Hi-ho and welcome to the first episode of the Import-Export Made Easy podcast where I help you navigate the minefield of international trade. My name is Lance Schooler and I'm known as the Savvy Navigator and I've been involved in international trade and transport since 1968 when I left high school and I have been a customs broker in Sydney, Australia since 1975 and I relinquished that qualification in 2015. So I had 40 years as a licensed customs broker here in Australia. Now there's two aspects of this podcast. One is that I'll be sharing information that I've developed and refined over many years in running courses in Australia on importing and exporting. The second aspect, I'll be interviewing experts from various countries of the world relating to importing and exporting. Some will be importers or exporters sharing their experiences and their tips and tricks. Others will be experts in their field, whether they're customs brokers or freight forwarders or lawyers or insurance brokers, etc, etc. Experts that can share information that relate to various parts of the world not just Australia. So I aim to bring value to importers and exporters through this podcast. In this podcast, I'll be talking about what are the initial concepts I have for this podcast as it develops over time and who it's particularly for and others that might find it useful as well. So firstly, who is this podcast for? It's for exporters, importers, and global traders, or those who are thinking about becoming an exporter, an importer, or a global trader. So let's define those terms so you understand what I'm talking about. Firstly, an exporter is someone or a company that exports goods from their country to another country or another number of other countries. An importer is someone that brings goods in from overseas to their own country. And a global trader might source goods from one country not their own to other countries not their own so they're trading between countries it could be multiple countries I've been running courses since 1991 in importing and exporting and since 1997 I've been providing these courses at a number of community colleges in New South Wales Australia as well as a few universities What I've found that people come for about four main reasons. The first one is financial freedom. People want to go into their own business and in this case import-export because they are sick of working for a big company. They want to go out on their own and they think maybe import-export is the way to go. A second one is philanthropy. People want to help by importing and exporting goods that might help people in a number of ways. Now, an example, I had some ladies here in Australia formed a company and they approached a manufacturing company in Bangladesh to make jute shopping bags for supermarkets. And the people that made those bags were actually women in villages. And they had their own sewing machine and they manufactured as some contractors in effect. The company bought those off those individual people in villages and then exported them to my client here in Australia. So what they were doing there is helping those village ladies to have a business of their own supplying that company in Bangladesh. 
The third one, and it's very popular, is lifestyle. And what I mean by that is people that like to travel throughout the world, and as they're traveling, they see possibilities of maybe in a country saying, oh, I know some goods that could come from my country, we could sell to them. Or they might say, here's some fantastic goods in this country, we could import them back to my country or to other countries. The fourth is career schools, where either the participant enrolls in the course themselves or their employer sends them and often pays for them to attend the course to improve their skills because the company that they work for is involved in importing and exporting and they want that person to have the skills to do the function that they're employed to do. So that's the first part of why people come to the course and you might feel that you fit into one of those categories, either financial freedom, philanthropy, lifestyle or career skills. It's a very important aspect of import-export to do research, to plan what you need to be doing, and that can apply to negotiation of buying and selling. And then what you've researched and figured out, what you've planned to do, you then implement. So we'll talk about that regularly throughout the course of researching, planning and implementing. Now in some cases people come to the course, they have a product that they either want to export or import or on the other hand they might say I'm interested in the process of importing and exporting in that business case but I'm not too sure exactly what to do. So we'll have a few sessions on product ideation. What that means is that if they don't have an idea where can they figure out what sort of products that they could get involved in. Now the next section that we'll be talking about is the transport of goods. There's four ways of goods being transported by air and sea, by road and rail. And there's another aspect is postal services and they can use any of the four methods of transport. Understanding how the transport can work both for importing and exporting or indeed global trading, it's important because the transport is a very important part of getting the goods from one place to another, from one country to another. Another aspect is people might come to the course, and I've had a few in this case, that might be service providers to importers and exporters. Or, on the other hand, you, as an importer or an exporter, or thinking about doing it, you might need to have the services of people that provide services. Now, what am I talking about there? It could be legal service providers that provide you good information and advice on forming appropriate documentation and contracts for the deals that you do. There's also the aspect of tax and accounting services dealing with the transfer of monies internationally and the tax and duty considerations that might be involved there. Then there's the public sector agencies involved in international trade. And so that could be customs or quarantine or an export aspect of government. So in Australia, we have an organisation, Austrade, and they assist Australian businesses to export and give advice and assistance to do that. In the country that you may be in, there should be uh, appropriate government agencies relating to both import and export, either to assist or in controlling and creating revenue from those activities. Then there's also business consultants, people that give you advice that may have been in that import-export business and you can seek their assistance. Then there's bank and financial institutions. And so in the past, banks have been very important aspect and very important organisations to deal with. But now we have, with technology and innovation, 
fintech organisations, financial technical services, cryptocurrencies, digital currencies, trade exchanges, blockchain and barter. These are things that you need to be aware of because they're being used a lot more. Then there's the aspect of what happens when things go wrong, if goods get destroyed or lost or damaged. So we need to think about insurance companies and the assessors if something goes wrong, the assessors will need to assess what has gone wrong and what value can be reinstated to the buyer or the seller in that situation. And understanding that helps you to make sure that you insure the goods properly against whatever risk there could be there. One of the illustrations I use in the import-export course in the face-to-face -face situation is talking about a jigsaw puzzle because international trade import-export is very much like a jigsaw puzzle. You have to put all the pieces together, they all have to fit to make it actually work successfully. And so some of the areas of the different pieces of the puzzle are the risk involved in international trade, the methods of paying for those goods, the import duties and taxes into the import country, the international trade terms called INCO terms, international commercial terms, documentation required for a number of different aspects, transport of the goods, the export processes involved in getting the goods out of the exporting country, quarantine, insurance, and there's many more. But there are some examples of all the different aspects that you'll have to be concerned with and think through and make sure they're all covered in the process of getting the goods in or out of countries. There's three key concepts that I like to talk about uh, at the beginning of the course that I do. And so we'll be talking about these as we go through the podcast together. They are the six major areas of risk to avoid in international trade. And I have a concept called the Castle Strategy of Minimising International Trade Risk. And the Castle Strategy is an acronym, but we'll talk about that in future episodes. The second one is knowing what you need to negotiate and how to go about negotiating. Not only the buying and the selling negotiations, but liaising with transport companies, with government agencies, with banks, with insurance companies. There's a whole raft of organisations that you may need to work with. And then finally, the third area of a key concept, if you like, is the developing efficient systems and the team to implement the system that you develop for your import or export, or if you're involved in importing and exporting, then that's what you'll need to do, have a good system to develop the processes and procedures, the tasks involved in getting the goods from one place to another, from one country to another. The area that I wish to address now is the high level aspect of the course. In other words, we're talking about high end concepts, the principles of those concepts that can apply in any country and then get really down to the nuts and bolts where the rubber meets the road of how that will apply in your particular country or the country of your trading partner, be they the seller or the buyer. And so it's really important that we talk about key concepts that are really high level and understanding the principles of those and then be able to apply those in your country. 
as we go through the podcast together, I'll be using vocabulary involved in the industry. And sometimes, as with any industry, there's a lot of jargon goes on. But I'll try to be careful to use the actual words involved, but also explain what they mean. So it will help you to understand what the jargon is that you might come across when you're dealing with trading partners, with government officials, with transport people, with lawyers, etc., etc. Now I mentioned before systems, and I'll be using some examples of everyday life, business life that you'll understand, and then translate that into how a system can be developed for importing and exporting. So the first one that I'll be using is about the six sectors of international trade, getting the goods from the seller to the buyer, being transported by ships and planes, trucks and trains, depending on where in the world you are, and who you're dealing with. We'll look at the six steps of getting the goods from the seller to the buyer. Then there's the fourth fact system. There's financial, administration, commercial and transport systems and documentation. And so you need to understand what the processes and procedures are relating to financial, administration and commercial and transport. And then put all those together into a system that you'll be working with in dealing with all the organisations that you'll have to complete your transaction. I'll be using case studies and describing those vocally, if you like, and it will help you to understand what those processes are. The next area we'll be talking about, as I mentioned a bit earlier, the INCO terms, the International Commercial Terms, which were developed in 1936 and published by the International Chamber of Commerce based in Paris, France. The International Commercial Terms, INCO Terms 2010, is in operation now. They've been reviewed on recently and no doubt they'll be published in 2020. So I'll be talking about those INCO terms as they apply today. The next area is the method of payment, how you will pay for the goods if you're a buyer or how you will be paid if you're a seller. Traditionally that has been through banks but now there is many aspects of financial institutions and digital methods of payment that are coming into play and we'll be talking about those. Then we're talking about transport and logistics. If you're in a country that you're going to be dealing via air freight or sea freight like we do in Australia because we're an island continent, we're the largest island in the world and the smallest continent. We can only buy and sell and distribute goods globally by sea freight and air freight. We do not have any bridges or tunnels or a land border between countries. But if you're in a country, say in Europe or in Africa, where you can actually go across land borders, you might be using trucks or trains. So we're talking about sea freight rates and the methods of transport containers and other methods of transporting goods by sea freight and the same with air freight. We'll also do a comparison of air freight to sea freight and give you in a case study that I've used in the past to look at different ways of valuing the need to transport goods by air freight or sea freight depending on the circumstances. Then, as I mentioned before, there's the area of cargo insurance. What happens if something goes wrong? Can you get compensated by an insurance company? And how to assess the value of that and what risks there are. 
Whether you're an importer or an exporter, you will need to understand the aspects of particularly import duties and taxes in the importing country. If you're the importer, obviously that's going to be an impact on your importation and your cost structure of importing their goods. On the other hand, if you're exporting goods into another country, you'll need to assess if the duties and taxes in that other country when they are sold there and get imported, whether the price point of those will actually make it worthwhile to export it to that country. You need to figure that out beforehand and negotiate that as an exporter to understand what the price structure would be into your potential customer importing those goods from your country. Then there's the aspect of prohibitions, things that shouldn't be exported or imported to and from a particular country. There's obviously things that many countries will have in common that they would not want to be imported and in some cases exported, but some countries may have different rules and regulations to the country that you're involved in. So understanding those is very important. So that brings us to the conclusion of this podcast, the Import Export Made Easy podcast. And just a few things, if you wish to connect with me or you want to check me out, the best way is to Google search or use your search engine and use my first name and last name together. That is one word, L-A-N-C-E-S-C-O-U-L-A-R. Lance Schooler, and once again I'll spell it, L-A-N-C-E-S-C-O-U-L-A-R. L-A-R. Put that into your search engine and you should be able to find me there on LinkedIn, Twitter and BB. Now BB is B-E-B-E-E. And if you're not on LinkedIn, the professional social network, you should be. You should register because that's where people doing business can connect with other people doing business. So I look forward to catching up with you on further episodes of the Import Export Made Easy podcast. That's it for now. I wish you well and Godspeed. Bye for now. <music>